Good morning, church. Well, uh, we are here to worship God, and we are thankful that you are here, both members and visitors alike. We would like for our visitors to know that you are honored, our honored guests, and we're glad that you are here with us today. And uh, for each of you that are here, thank God that God has blessed us with another opportunity to say thank you to God for his gift of love. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Merciful and kind Heavenly Father, your name is separate from all else. Your name is great. Your name is wonderful. We give unto you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. And we thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your darling son to die on that cruel cross of Calvary. We, we thank you for allowing us to worship you. And we pray our worship has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and it will continue to be so. We ask, Lord God, that you will clear our minds of worldly thoughts and help us to focus only on you as we worship you this morning. These things we do ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ to be thy will. Amen. Spiritual alignment. Still talking about love. We're still talking about the hard stuff, right? Love is that topic that for so many years is, you know, in so many places is taught as a, you know, it's this fluffy feeling, right? But the hard stuff is love. Love is the hard stuff. And so we're going to look at some more layers that we're going to peel away. And then, of course, you may have more. You might say, hey, preacher, I've got some more for you to add to your sermon. Maybe you won't. But if you did, I'd add it in there. Galatians 5.14, the whole Old Testament. There's just so much depth of love, the love of God to humanity or towards humanity. In verse 14, it says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is not self-love. That's different. Right? That's not, that's not the same. It's not, it's not self-love. It's not, it's not that. It's not self-love. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. But it's different from self. Maybe I ought to preach on self-love maybe another time. Mark chapter 12, please. But to love my neighbor. And then the question always comes up over and over again. Who is my neighbor? And my neighbor seems to change with the times, right? My neighbor seems to be the one that's best to me. That's my neighbor. Do I love my neighbor as myself? Mark 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the scribes said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all of the heart and with all of the Understanding and with all of the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
And when Jesus saw that he had answered him intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. Jesus said, Look, you get this love thing right, church. You're talking about heaven. We've got to get the love part right in order to please God, in order to be what God wants us to be. Jesus says, you got it right. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Well, what if we just say that, but we don't practice it? It's different, right? See, love is something that, it's an action. It's to be practiced, not just to be spoken of. Luke chapter 10, please. And, I, and I'm sad to say that our world today, and even, even the church, and churches, we, we say we love, but, but we, we don't always practice it. And our actions contradict often what we actually say. I love my neighbor as I love myself. Do you? Let, let's just start in your own house. <laughs> Do you love your wife or your husband? We just start there and then branch out from there, and then we'll just... We'll continue on this, this thought. Look at verse 25. Love thy neighbor. And Jesus gave us an example. A parable. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. All right, let me just stop for a moment. All right, now, first question is, do I have the first part right? Do I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my might? That's the first part, <laughs> right? Neighbor comes, down the, neighbor comes down the road. First, I have to be right with God. And love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all of my strength, with all of my might, with, with all of my being. And, and, and then I'm going to work on this loving my neighbor. And, and I've got to work on loving myself as God made me. Right? Not self-love. But this is who God made me. And I'm proud of who I am. Thank you, God. Well, that was a good question and that was a good answer. Verse 28. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Oh, but here's the problem. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? My question to you this morning regarding the practice of love, are we still trying to justify ourselves? See, it's easy to love your friend. But do I actually love my enemy? We'll talk more about enemies next week, Lord willing. So what did Jesus do? How did Jesus answer the question, Lord, what, what, is it, what does it really mean? Well, you know what he did? He used an enemy to teach love. And that doesn't make any sense, church. Why would Jesus use an enemy to answer the question about love. Love your neighbor, love your enemies, as God loves them. How are we doing with that, church? 
Luke 9 and verse 52. Luke 9 and verse 52. Listen to the enemy. The enemy, well, these are the Samaritans, right? The Samaritans, were, were, they were the issue. See, Samaritans, I want to talk to you about Samaritans for just a moment. Samaritans are, are, are we'll call them half-breeds, if I can say that, you know, diplomatically correct. They were half-Jew and, and then something else. And then out of that came the Edomians and, and other groups that were, you know, they were Jew, but they were, they were something else. And so, so the Jews call them enemies. Those are our enemies. Now, now, now keep in mind how they became what they became. Let's go look at that real quick. Luke 9 and verse 52. And he sent messengers on ahead of him and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. That's for Jesus. They made arrangements in, in Samaria, if you will, amongst the Samaritans for Jesus. And they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because he was journeying with his face toward Jerusalem. See, there's this problem between, you know, we Samaritans and, and you Jews in Samaria and, and in Jerusalem. And how bad was it? John uh, chapter, chapter 4 and, and, and verse 9. Remember the Samaritan, the woman who was at the well? Remember what she said? The Samaritan woman, therefore, said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? None. And Jesus is about to drink from her cup. Right? He's about to show them, he's about to show them something deep. Y'all have no dealings with us. Second Kings, please, chapter 17. It's kind of starting to sound like America. You can say amen if you want to. We've got some history, don't we, church? Second Kings, chapter 17. Why was there such a strong separation between, between brethren, right? And I say brethren, the Jews and the Jews, right? So, so 722 um, B.C., there was the Assyria came and they conquered the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom were doing so many evil things and wicked. And so God, God decided to, to send the northern kingdom down, Assyria, uh, rather, if you will, to destroy them. And that's what they did. They took them off into captivity because they were, they were wicked and they were evil. And, and you won't hear anything else about Israel in reality, right? From about, about 722 B.C. on, if you will, all the way to Jesus, you don't really hear about Israel, the northern tribes. You hear about Judah and Benjamin, right? They call them Israel. And even the church today is called today's Israel. But just a little bit of history in Second Kings chapter 17 and verse, we'll start about verse 24. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and uh, from Kutha and from Abba and from Hamath and from Seraph Abam and settled them in the cities of Samaria in place of the sons of Israel. So they possessed Samaria and lived in its cities. And it came about at the beginning of their living there that they did not fear the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you have carried away in the exile in the cities of Samaria do not know the customs of the God of the land. So he has sent lions among them, and behold, they kill them because they do not know the customs of the God of the land. And so there was a problem 
right? They're, they're bringing all this idolatry in, and, and they're worshiping God in a, an idolatrous way. And in verse 27, it says, Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Take there one of the priests whom you carried away in the exile, and let him go and live there, and let him teach them the custom of the God of the land. And so, so now you have uh, one of the priests comes down, and so you have Israel conjoined together with all of the, uh, the Gentiles, if you will, and, and there's all this idolatry as if it was a new thing. But anyway, all this idolatry. And over time, Israel, along with the Gentiles, worshipped God and all of the idol gods as well. Down in verse 30, uh, down in verse 41, rather. So while these nations feared the Lord, they also served their idols, their children likewise, and their grandchildren, and their fathers did so they do to this day so so the jews right judah and benjamin were saying hey you, you know you people you you you're not even you're a part of us but you're not really a part of us right and so you worship these idol gods and we want nothing to do with you okay now here's my question when we start condemning everybody else do we forget about our history right now, now watch this. So here's Judah. Remember, Judah and Benjamin are not part of the northern tribes, right? The, north, the ten that went north, right? Jeroboam, and he took ten tribes. They went north, and the other two stayed south. Now, now watch what happens with Judah. Now, here's Judah condemning the northern tribes, but listen to what God says. 2 Kings 17 and verse... I'm going back to verse 13. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and every seer, saying... Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you through my servants, the prophets. However, they did not listen, but stiffened their neck like their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant and it made with their father, that he had made with their fathers and his warnings with which he had warned them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the nations which surrounded them concerning which the Lord had commanded them not to do like them. And they forsook all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves molten images, even two calves, and made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And then they made their sons and their daughters pass through the fire and practice divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. None was left except the tribe of Judah. Also Judah did not keep the commandment of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs which Israel had introduced. See, they were doing the same stuff. They were hypocrites. See, they were hypocrites. But they could, they could label Samaritans and say, you people aren't like us. Actually, you're just like us, right? But, but, by, but by heritage, you people aren't like us. You are mixed with other stuff. And so therefore, we want no part. We want no part of you. But the reality is found in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? And, and so Judah sinned and, and Israel sinned. There was just sin everywhere. And so Jesus says, you know, to love God, 
With all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, you know, with all of your being. Yeah, that's the first commandment. That is the greatest commandment. And the second commandment is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Jesus, the lawyer says, looking to justify himself, who is my neighbor? You know, Jesus, I'm going to Luke chapter 10, had the audacity to look to the half-breeds, to look to the people that they called dogs, to look to the people they had all kinds of evil things to say about who were just like Judah. However, Judah didn't see it that way. You know, he had the audacity to use one of them as evidence of what loving your neighbor is. Can you imagine how angry they were at Jesus? When you read the parable of the Good Samaritan, and by the way, this is Mama's, it was supposed to be in the bulletin this morning. I blew it. I gave Tracy the wrong text, but it's still a good text you're reading. Go read the Good Samaritan and realize that's an enemy of the Jews. But my question to you is, was he an enemy of God? Should he have been an enemy to the Jews? Why was he an enemy to the Jews? But Jesus chose the Good Samaritan. A Samaritan of all people. Verse 30. Jesus replied and said, A certain man was, a, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest, oh, that's a Jew, right? Oh, man, we got it down, Lord. Here comes a priest comes by. A certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I'm too good for this. Was he loving your neighbor? Nope, the priest wasn't. Not the Jew. And likewise, a Levite. Oh, Lord, now we're really getting, this is good stuff, Jesus. Keep preaching. Also, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. And so, and so on the Jews' side, Jesus is saying, you are not practicing love. You say you love. You, 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 you preach love, but you are not practicing love love. I'm not sure you even believe in it, Jews. And then he says that word in verse 33. And a Samaritan. I said, whoa, now you've lost us, Jesus. Now, now, you've, now you've lost me. You, you, you don't know the, the equivalency of, of someone. Now you, you're going to be upset with the preacher. We don't like it. You've got to love me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to tell you the truth, though. You, you want to know the equivalence of that? If Jesus had used one of our enemies today and said, let me tell you what love really is. Let me talk to you about love. A Samaritan who was on the journey came upon him and when he saw him, he felt compassion. He came to him and, and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them and he, he put him on his own beast and brought him to an end. And took care of him. What did he have for his fellow human being? Compassion. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and, and whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hand? 
Keep in mind, this, this, mind, this man is, is lying there. He's, he's, in, he's in real bad shape. He'd been, he'd been beat up. He'd been robbed. He'd been, he's in trouble. But a Samaritan came to the rescue. And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him, and Jesus said to him, go and do the same. You know, they, they killed Jesus for this kind of behavior, didn't they? On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. I will, I will pay you a debt that I'm going to Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 10. I will, I will pay the debt that this, that I don't owe. <laughs> right? I, I don't owe you anything, but I'm going to pay this debt for this man who will owe. That's my neighbor. Deuteronomy 10 and and, and the verses uh, start about verse 17. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love to, uh, for the alien by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him and you shall swear by his name. He is your praise. He is your God who has done these great and awesome things for you which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. Love your neighbor because you too, you know what it feels like. We, we, we might say, you know what it feels like to go to a, to a place you've never been before. Luke chapter 10, please. And how does it feel when you're, you're trying to, you know, make acquaintances, you're trying to meet people, you're trying to get to know. How do you feel when you're in a place you've, you've never gone, you've never been? Right here in our, in our own place, in our own hometown. You just, you wonder, where do I fit in? You feel kind of lost. And, and how, how are we treating our neighbors, visitors? Jesus used the Samaritan. And he asked the Jews who were, who were holy in their own eyes, who, who did the right thing? Which of these, verse 36 of Luke 10, which of these do you think proved to be neighbor, a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? They had no choice but to be honest. And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Go and be like that. Go and be like, like, that, like that neighbor. This morning, the question is, are, are, you a, are you a good Samaritan? You know, Jesus is the good Samaritan, right? I'm going back to the book of Mark, chapter 12, again. Jesus was the good Samaritan in that text. Are you a good Samaritan? To your enemies. Because, see, that's, 
That's who this was. This, this man, he did not know him. He had never seen him before. He didn't know his name. He didn't know his address. He didn't know where he came from. He just saw a man that needed compassion. This isn't the guy next door that, you know, you mow my lawn, I mow your lawn. You shovel my snow, I shovel your snow. I need sugar, you need, you know, not that guy. This is the enemy who goes to a person that he doesn't even know and he shows him compassion. My question this morning is, are you the good Samaritan? We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be. Mark 12 and verse 31. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Preacher, why do you keep reading these scriptures? Because I need you to get it. I need, us to, I need us to get it, and I need us to open our eyes up, and I need us to be open and honest. Because that's what Jesus compels these people to be. Open and honest. A Samaritan came along. Your enemy came along, and he showed compassion. And you did not. Jews, let me ask you a real personal, heavy, hot question. How do you feel about the immigrants at the border? Your neighbor. Is that, do you love them? Do you love that human being? Or are you so full of American pride that you can't? That's a real question, isn't it, church? That's a real question, right? We got to think about what we're doing as a people, as the people of God. I'm going back to Leviticus chapter 19 because God keeps talking about this neighbor. He keeps talking about this neighbor from the Old Testament into the New Testament. He's talking about this neighbor. And when he talks about this neighbor, he says, you make sure you treat your neighbor with love, the same love you love for God, love your fellow human being. All the world has failed, hasn't it? Luke 19 and verse 33. This is, this is the hard stuff, right? This is what love is. We're not talking about the fluffy stuff. Luke 19 and verse 33. When a stranger resides with you in your land, we don't want strangers in our land, do we? You shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. He said, no, I've never been an alien. Oh, yes, you were. Every one of us. In fact, every Christian is still an alien. I'll, I'll come to that one at the end. What about those little children? Are they innocent? What do you think, church? If one of those people, now I know you, we say it, right? We don't believe it. We don't always mean it. You know, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Let me see it. Can I see it once? Show me that. The, 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 the person that's hungry, that's my enemy, what am I going to do to him? Am I going to take the time to feed that immigrant? You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. They're here wrong and it's illegal. I'm not saying it's not illegal. I'm not saying it's not wrong. But what I'm saying is I'm a Christian. I don't work for the government. I'm a Christian. I'm going to feed that person. I'm going to help that person. 
I'm not going to help them illegally get in. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what we say. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. Right? Well, Y'all kind of quiet on me this morning. Do you love the human being? Leviticus 19 in verse, in verse 15. You shall do no... In fact, by the way, that question was asked to me uh, this week. How, how do these young... It was, it was speaking... I can give you the, I'll give you some of the context. It's speaking to the young Amers who are down south and they're trying to do their work and then these people are coming and they're, they're, they're battered and bruised and haven't eaten in days and, and they're like, what do we do? It's very real stuff, right? I'm not preaching fluff to you. Leviticus 19 in verse, in verse 15... You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. How are we doing with that? How's your love toward those folks over in the Middle East? See, sometimes we're so in love with our political party that we, we just throw Jesus aside, right? Right? We just throw Jesus aside so that we just, we, we talk politics. I'm not going to talk to you about politics. I don't, I don't care about politics. I'm going to show you why politics is so bad. I'm going to show you that in a second. But I want you to think about it for just a moment. Let's not get it twisted. We're, we're looking over there and we're seeing Hamas and uh, terrible stuff. Yes, we agree. We're looking at Gaza, the Gaza Strip, and Palestine, and Israel, and Iran. and they're just, I, I get it. It's all messed up. You know you have brethren over there too. And our brethren are dying too. You know that, right? And you know that there are children, innocent children over there, and they're dying too. I'm not going to put a bandage on that child because you are, you are going into a Muslim. I'm not. Church, is that, what I really, is that what my mind, is that where my heart is? All right, now watch this. So the Jews said, <laughs> Judah and Benjamin, <laughs> We want nothing to do with Samaria, even though Samaria, you know, the, if you will, the northern kingdom was taken captive by, by Assyria. And, and so, you know, they, they had really no, no, I mean, they had no power. God removed that power and protection from them. And so, yeah, they started intermarrying with other people. And they started following after their own gods. And yet, wait a minute, Judah, aren't you doing the same thing? You're about to kill the Lord. And you know what we do? Even in America, now I'm going to meddle just a little bit. We look, at, we look at the stuff going on in the rest of the world as if we don't have our own dirt. Have you forgotten the 1600s? Slavery, right? Have you forgotten how we slaughtered the enemy? Have you forgotten all of our history? America has some history. You know why? Because America is just a country like all the other countries. It's the Christians who make the difference, church. We're supposed to make the difference. Are we making the difference? Am I a good Samaritan? Matthew chapter 9. You know the answer, the only answer to all of the world's problems is Jesus. You see, that, that's the only answer. And so if, if we're not acting as, as Jesus would command us to act or, or living the way Jesus wants us to live, how in the world are we going to help other people? You know, the, we were talking this morning, uh, Stephen, in this Bible class and in our Wednesday night Bible class, go into the world and preach the gospel. You know what? He's bringing the world to us, church. Right? Teach that person Jesus. 
That's what we're supposed to do. That's loving your neighbor, right? Matthew 9 in verse, back to verse 10. Look at what they thought about Jesus. And it happened that as he was reclining at the table in, in the house, behold, many tax gatherers and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why, why is your teacher eating with the tax gatherers and the sinners? And you know what Jesus could have said? And why are you guys meeting with the Sanhedrin and plotting to kill me? When I've done nothing but good. They, they just, everybody, looks, everybody looks outward and tries to find an excuse not to love somebody else. Stop. Listen to what it says in verse 12. But he, when he heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. And he wasn't saying that they were healthy. He was just saying the way you're, the way you're coming at me as if you are healthy, as if you are not sick, as if you are not blind. Remember he called them blind later. But go and learn what this means. God desires compassion and not sacrifice. For I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Is there compassion in my heart? John 11, please. John 11. And, you, you know, and, and I signed up to fight for the country because I'm, I'm a patriotic person, but I'm a Christian first. God has to come first. John chapter 11, you know, when, when the politicians came together, you know, there were no Democrats or Republicans back in the day. But anyway, when the politicians come together, they're not, they're not talking about how to honor God. Our politicians, they don't care about God. They don't care about money. You know that. Why do you vote for the people you vote for? Because they're going to help me. Selfish. I mean, think about it, right? That's why I vote for whoever. I, I want to be helped. I'm just being honest. Why do you vote? Right? Well, we're, we're choosing the, the lesser of two evils. Well, there's the problem right there. Let's just be honest. We're talking about loving our neighbor, church. Right? How, how do you treat those of the opposite political party? You love them? You love your brethren who don't always agree with you? No, I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican either. But, but what if I were a Republican or what if I were a Democrat? How would I love my brother who might come with a different side or a different view or a different perspective of life? We should be coming from the exact same point of view. Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be. All this is free stuff, by the way. Verse 45, listen. Many, therefore, the Jews who had come to Mary and behold what he had done, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them, the things which Jesus had done. So they went to the political parties, right? And therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing? Well, this man is performing many signs. And if we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What they should have said was, hey, this man is performing many signs. He must be from God. Let's follow him. No. That's not what they said. I'm, I'm wrapping up, I know. Have I hit a nerve yet? <laughs> Trying to. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. 
Listen, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not speaking to you about politics, though I mentioned, I'm not speaking to you about politics. I'm speaking to you about Jesus. I'm talking to you about loving my neighbor. And sometimes the way the world goes as it, as it shifts over and over again, it, it sways us. And we walk away from Jesus for our own agendas. We, not, we need not do that. In Ecclesiastes 5 and, and verse 8, you've got to love this verse. If you see oppression of the poor and denial of justice and righteousness in the province, do not be shocked at the sight, for one official watches over another official, and there are higher officials over them. And I mean, it just keeps going, doesn't it? I mean, that's, that's Bible, right? We see it all the time. Don't trust them, people. Trust God. Philippians chapter 3. You say, oh, we, we have a preacher who's anti, anti-political. and anti-, I, I'm not. I'm just, I, what I am is I'm just trying to tell you we've got to follow Jesus. And if anything goes against Jesus, turn your back from it. Get away from it. Watch out because Satan's trying to deceive us and draw us into something that's evil and contrary to the will of God. I've got my own issues. I don't need somebody to help me out. Have you ever wondered? You ever wondered how many members of the church all over the world have suffered at the hand of humanity for doing good? And just kind of quietly go along the way and just try to preach Jesus along the way. Christians suffer. And all over the world, though we in America and we're kind of sheltered, thank you God for that, go on a mission trip and look at how many people are suffering. What is it, 90-something percent are suffering in, in abject poverty? It's like a really big number. It's about 98, I think. We're in that top 2%, which is kind of scary, right? It's kind of scary to be up there. I wonder how much compassion this morning, I'm appealing to you, your compassion. How much compassion is in my heart? I know, when, I leave, when you leave here, somebody's going to say, well, you know, but you know it's illegal. God bless you. Just come on and get it out of the way. I know. But here's the problem I'm going to shoot you with. Let me just go and give you the problem right now. You, you, have, you have blinded eyes. You have blinded eyes. Because this isn't supposed to be your country. Watch this. Philippians 3 verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. From which also we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, by the exhortation of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. We're supposed to be citizens of heaven. We can't control what's going on in the world of, of, of you know, politics and yeah, my vote. I know, go on and vote. I'm not, I'm not saying not to vote. I would never say, I'm not saying that. But our citizenship is in heaven. And it's not just trying to get myself there. It's trying to take as many people with me along the way. That's what I do as a preacher. I want to try to take as many people along the way with me to go to heaven. I want to try to get there myself. How about you, church? And Jesus said, you want to get to heaven? Here's a good starting point. 
Love God with all of your soul, right? All of your mind, all of your heart, all of your body. Love him with everything. And love your neighbor as yourself. Even your enemy. Who is your enemy this morning? Who is your neighbor? Thank God that he doesn't treat us the way we treat each other. Because Ephesians 2 says that all of us were enemies of God. Children of God's wrath. Romans 5 says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This morning, we have a Savior. If you're not a, a member of the body of Christ, if you're not a Christian, here's your, your opportunity in Christ to surrender to him in the waters of baptism, to no longer be an enemy of God, to be a friend of God, to be in that great relationship with the Lord. This morning, if you're struggling, we can pray with you or pray for you. If there's anything we can do, why don't you come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.